Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It is January the 23rd, and it is the day of the New Hampshire primaries. So it looks cold out there in New Hampshire. People are going to be going to the polls. They're going to be making their voices heard. And we can probably expect yet another Donald Trump victory. However, that is not what some of the people on the mainstream left would like to see. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Big decision came down. Texas versus the Biden administration. A, uh, a major lawsuit in the Supreme Court that sided with apparently not America. Apparently, Americans are not allowed to enforce their borders. And if the federal government chooses to ignore their duties and responsibilities, the states are screwed. That's what we're kind of led to believe here. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Folks, we are streaming live right now on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. So join us in the live chat if you can. If you are watching somewhere else, please come see us over here. This is where the chat continues to run. And there was a, an ongoing discussion this morning. There was a disagreement about my choice of music, which I change every month. For the, for the sort of warm-up music, if you guys are only watching it on X or if you're watching somewhere else and you've never made it before the show started, you've never seen the warm-up music, but somebody said it looked like Richard or it sounded like Richard Simmons doing his Kegel exercises. Take a little bit of offense at that. We'll switch it up at the end of the month. That's how we do it. We're a week away, so deal with it. I like it. And, of course, nobody's going to make everybody happy. So, folks, it is for you, but, you know, sometimes that part's a little bit for me, too. I have to hear that music for, like, an hour while I'm getting the show prepped up. Anyway, let's get this thing rocking and rolling. We've got a handful of things. First, I want to start off by saying a thanks to one of our sponsors. And this one in particular, we're going to start off with the folks over at Four Patriots. Why? Because things are probably going to get spicy. In fact, what I saw in the chat earlier was if you are not where you want to be when the so-called SHIT hits the fan, man, you might want to get yourself there. And before you do, you're probably going to want to get yourself squared away and route. And you can do that at 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, 4patriots, the number 4patriots.com slash Kyle. You can follow them at 4patriotsllc, the number 4patriots uh, on uh, Twitter. I follow them over there. You're seeing on the screen a handful of options. They've got survival gadgets and gizmos. They've got power equipment. They've got solar generators. Yeah, they've got that. And they've got food, which is what uh, we started off trying out. Survival food that tastes better than MREs. Not a bad plan. If you have not figured out how to get calories, how to get comms, and how to get some continuity of your lifestyle, you're screwing up. Don't do it. Don't be the person that goes knocking on your neighbor's door. We're going to be talking about neighbors in just a minute, actually. Um... You want to make sure that you are squared away. You can do that at 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Just use the promo code Kyle if you don't go. If you click through any of their ads, you can always use the promo code Kyle because you heard it here. All right, and uh, and we do appreciate them. It's it's awesome to have good sponsors. That's what keeps it going here. That's what makes it happen. Shall we just get right into this right now? Let's get started. I got a bunch of videos today. I got some fun. I, I neglected to give you a dad joke yesterday, so we've got that coming. And uh, let's start off with... Just right off the bat, it's SHOT Show Week. Do you guys know that? Every year in Vegas, they have this big convention and all the gun manufacturers and all the people that are making interesting accoutrements 
for the various weapon projects are out there and they're doing this thing. I went last year. It was awesome. It was actually really, really cool. The first day is usually the range day. And then after that, they have this huge conference hall set up and you can just go floor after floor after floor. And there's thousands and thousands of vendors from like things that have nothing to do with it, like people who are making challenge coins all the way up to like people who are making really, really cool weapon systems and optics and things like that. And so in honor of that, I'm going to cover this lawsuit, which I found in The Guardian today, but was actually provided by Reuters. And I think it's a real problem. Um, it continues to be this this issue that the political left has pushed, and, and they're not just going to even go <laughs> into the United States to have people try to fight against gun manufacturers to try to eliminate the means of production for this kind of stuff. It's very Marxist, isn't it? Um, this is actually talking about how the United States Appeals Court, which we'll get into in just a sec, uh, revived a $10 billion lawsuit by Mexico. The country Mexico is suing American gun manufacturers. And rather than our court systems basically defending our businesses, no, that's not what's happening. We have uh, this, this appeals court out of Boston in the First Circuit that has overturned a lower court's ruling. And they said that these, these cases can go forward. They're attempting to seek to hold manufacturers responsible for coordinating weapons trafficking to drug cartels across the U.S.-Mexico border. We're going to get into a lot of border stuff today. This is just one of those fringe little pieces, like I said, a shot show adjacent thing to talk about. So what's going on here is we have a, uh, a Boston-based court. It's the Circuit of Appeals in the First Circuit. It's flipped over this judge's decision that initially dismissed it on the grounds that these people didn't have any standing and that the U.S. lawsuit barred Mexico and anyone else, it turns out, from suing gun manufacturers like Smith & Wesson Brands and Ruger and some others. There's a law that exists that is supposed to protect firearms manufacturers specifically. You hear the left and the every count type people, they scream about this thing. It's called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, or PLCAA. PLCAA. And it's supposed to give sort of broad protections against lawsuits over misuse of the products. So I want you to kind of consider something. When we're talking about firearms, they talk about them like unlike any other product. Imagine if somebody was going out and buying a chainsaw and then they went after and they killed somebody with it. You wouldn't sue, you know, steel chainsaws. That wouldn't happen. Uh, there'd be no reason. You wouldn't go and find the people who manufactured a Ford truck that's like, you know, some big Econoline box truck. And then someone drives a box truck through the middle of a parade ground. You wouldn't go and try to steal those people's money. You wouldn't try to go and attack the manufacturer of the vehicle. It's the user of the vehicle. It's just a tool. It has no autonomy. It has no agency. It doesn't have the ability to do something that is good or bad. It just sits there. In fact, as many of you have, we've got a lot of firearms in this house and they're in places that bother nobody. They're out of the reach of children. They're sitting in a safe condition and they hang out and nobody is any worse for it. The idea that we would be concerned about the, the actual product versus the user, that's crazy. And of course, Mexico has all kinds of problems, specifically that there's widespread corruption and there is rampant takeovers in significant portions of territory where you've got all these cartel members and uh, and cartel type um, adjacent groups. So whether they be like corrupted law enforcement and so on, like they're the ones that are using the weapons. They're the ones that are facilitating the trafficking of the weapons. They're already breaking Mexican law, bringing them into the country. Why in the actual hell would we tolerate our court system to be used to go after American companies? And these are not cheap lawsuits. That's the real problem. There's a lot of money wrapped up in just defending something that the court should have dismissed. 
So this is the issue. It allows lawfare to continue. It allows that our gun manufacturers are are potentially, you know, taken down. There's a lot of really thin margins in this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with how inexpensive or how uh, not profitable the gun industry is, but it's really not profitable. Gun stores are operating on razor thin margins, a few percentage points. You know, the difference between using a credit card and cash is actually fairly significant. So doing all this stuff and allowing Mexican lawyers to argue in United States courts, trying to bring lawsuits for injuries that occur, you know, in, in Mexico, totally bizarre. Now, I threw a quote up here from the judge. This is writing on behalf of a three-judge panel, so that's what we call uh, the preliminary part of the in-bank review. Um, they, they have, like, basically, you can run it in the lower court in the uh, the circuit court, then you run it into the appeals court, and there's a single judge usually assigned to that, then you can do a three-judge panel, then you can do what's called the N-Bank, the full N-Bank review, which is everybody in that circuit that's available will go and weigh in, and then you can theoretically get it up to the Supreme Court. So those are kind of the stages. We're now kind of like in the intermediary stage, and it's reversed the lower court's opinion. Big problem. Uh, it says that while the law, this is this is that other thing. You remember we always talk about like novel, novel perceptions or novel interpretations of lawsuits? This This kind of falls into that for me. It said that while the law can be applied to lawsuits by foreign governments, Mexico's lawsuit, quote, plausibly alleges a type of claim that is statutorily exempt from the PLCAA's general prohibition against lawsuits against gun manufacturers. Like, what? What? What what are we doing here? How is it that United States courts are not set up to protect basically the people that are supposed to have the real the real protections, American citizens and American workers. You know, th- this is the thing the left always likes to forget. They're, they're pro-worker, right? They're pro-blue-collar. Gun industry jobs are, by and large, very blue-collar. They're manufacturing and skilled manufacturing. They're not, there are not people that are making a fortune doing it. There are designers. Those are engineer-level jobs. Maybe those are white-collar, but those are people that are working with their hands, building a physical product. You can't talk about trying to bring American manufacturing back to this country without saying that one of the most like root industries that's always been here, it's been here for a very long time, and it's one of the best in the world, are arms manufacturers, and specifically arms for, yep, civilians, for regular people, for U.S. citizens who want to exercise their constantly, constitutionally protected, God-given rights. You know, you'll you, uh, the, the movement of the arguments that the political left is constantly making, it, it must make their heads hurt. But moreover, it should be pretty straightforward. It's like, okay, these are jobs for regular people that are not millionaires and billionaires, which they seem to have a big problem with. And these are people who are just trying to get by doing something that is a valuable service. You can't be in favor of capitalism and think that there is a God-given right, there's a constitutional protection against going in it. There's an actual law that says that you should not be going after the manufacturers for the ill deeds done by somebody in another country. Fully insane. It's fully crazy. But it continues to show us that our courts are not interested, like, they're either ideologically motivated or the other thing is, and I think we're going to see this with the, the Supreme Court decision that went against Texas the other day. I think what goes on is the the people that are generally conservative that are trying to, quote unquote, conserve what the Constitution means in the federal court system. They're not playing the same game there. It's the same problem that that uh, Republicans have with Democrats when it comes to one is playing by some sort of rules, some sort of ethics, some sort of idea that we are trying to accomplish the same mission. And the other side is doing demolition derby. It's the checkers and chess versus the demo derby. I've used the analogy many times. The courts are doing the same thing. Our conservative justices and our conservative judges are are trying to do something that that's no longer in play. They're trying to 
accurately interpret what the Constitution may say based on what a law is written on. And the left is trying to win. And the leftist judges are trying to win. And the leftist justices are trying to win. And when you get people on the political right that side with the left, it's because they're taking advantage of their, we used to call it uh, taking advantage of your kindness. It's a mistaking kindness for weakness, except the kindness in this case is weakness. It's not mistaken. It's accurate. They're able to play on this idea. We're going to get into the Supreme Court piece about that a lot more. Um, so let's let's do that in just a second. Before we do, let's let's talk about uh, New Hampshire just a bit. And uh, before we get to New Hampshire, let me let me talk about my buddies over here since I am drinking my Patriot Cooler and I can use a little refresher here. Uh, my Patriot Cooler is on the desk right now. This is the uh, the 19 ounce. This is my absolute favorite coffee mug. It is the best. It is the best. Yeah, it continues to be an outstanding option for keeping things hot or cold. It knows because it's what you put in there. That's what it keeps it at. Uh, you guys can go to patriotcoolers.com. Again, patriotcoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle, just like everywhere. K-Y-L-E, four little letters, saves you 10%. Uh, you can see their social media handle at the bottom there. That's at Patriot Coolers. If you want to follow on social media and see some of the pics they're putting out, they've got an Instagram that's got some cool stuff on it. I actually have a picture. I need to probably post it on social. I hate posting anything on social that's like me personally. I just like to like engage in ideological fights, but uh, we I'll take a picture. I filled up my groceries yesterday. I've got the tan one, so that what you're seeing actually in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen is in fact the one that rides around in the base of my minivan, and I keep all my groceries in there when I travel, which I love. So check that out. Check out Patriot Coolers. Again, patriotcoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle, K-Y-L-E. If you spend 50 bucks, any of the bigger items, you're gonna get free shipping. If you get two smaller items, you're probably gonna get free shipping. And uh, if you're not getting one of these, what are you doing? It says Patriot on it. There's I can't flip it upside down because there's coffee in there right now, but there's 50 stars on the bottom, which is a really nice touch. It says Patriot right on the side. It's a great product. Check them out. They're my friends. They uh, they love what you love, and they support veterans, which is pretty awesome. Go to their uh, go to their social page here. I think it's called Homes for Our Troops is the uh, is the actual veteran charity that they work with. All right, so let's let's keep moving onward. I want to talk about New Hampshire, and I want to take a drag of that coffee. So New Hampshire is the first in the nation. Well, that doesn't make any sense. We just had a caucus in Iowa, right? All right. So difference between caucus and primaries. This is straight voting. This is straight ballot voting. And let's talk about a little bit. See it. Uh, CBS had some fun coverage of it. I always love going to the sources that you guys don't want to read. You want to go to Fox. You want to go to Newsmax. You want to go to OANN or whatever. You want to go to Right Side Broadcasting or whoever's out there. And uh, and I just live on these other sites. I just I just want to know what they are saying because it's so much more interesting to me. How, uh, the political left and the ones that are trying to either hide it or not hide it. Uh, talk about this. So here it is. It, uh, the, the first thing is, is they had a whole piece, which I think is worth knowing. We should bring it up. We bring it up every four years. Why New Hampshire has the first primary in the nation. And it's by statute. It turns out they actually have a law. So that's the that's the piece that uh, is missing for most people. This is the thing that I thought was really fun. When I was looking at this, and you can see that there's 22 delegates that are in New Hampshire, and the, uh, the delegates are given proportionally. So whatever you win percentage-wise, as long as you get 10% or more, you will get delegates. And uh, it takes 1,200 and 15 delegates to win the total primary. All right, so that's all the Republican sort of like base rules here. This is fun. Look at this. So in the same article that was saying, why is the New Hampshire primary the first in the nation? They had this little video clip, and I grabbed a still from the video clip, which was the main reel that it showed. And if you're watching on the Rumble channel, what you're seeing is all these signs, okay? And I want you guys in the chat to take to just give me a little feedback on this. What do you think the preferred candidate of CBS News is based on this photograph that they have? 
uh, if you're missing it, what we see is about one, two, three, four. There's at least five Trump signs. And yet, in this really very prominent location, the only one that is unobstructed by anything else, what do we see? We got Nikki Haley. We got Nikki Haley. I'm kind of eyeballing the chat to see if you guys see what I'm seeing here, too. Uh, they're talking about, theoretically, just the statutory requirement for you know, our uh, our first in the nation situation, which uh, again, it's required by sta state law. But, and of course, there it goes. Yeah, so Skeeman figured it out. Obviously, it's they're, they're looking at Nikki Haley. It's right in the middle of the screen and it is prominently, prominently the spade. Like I said, the only one that's unobstructed. So we're going to talk a little bit about it. It says even even their first, their first uh, candidate that they address, the Republican race is now narrowed down to two candidates. Former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley no, only only CBS would take the ambassador to the UN to be a real serious position. The UN is terrible. It's an awful leftist organization. And then here's this thing. And former President Donald Trump, when you get second bill to a US ambassador to the UN who was under your own administration, yeah, we know what you're doing here. We know exactly what you're doing. It says, uh, and Donald Trump, who won by a, lar a large margin in the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, he did. He destroyed it. All right, 22 delegates are going to be up for grabs in this particular contest. And what do they say? Why is it the first in the nation? There's a significance around the first in the nation. This is actually some stuff that I did not know. So first of all, I did know that it was actually by law. Apparently in 1975, they cemented the status that held that it was going to be the first primary in the nation because uh, the actual law states that the presidential primary election shall be held on the second Tuesday in March or on a date selected by the Secretary of State, which is seven days or more immediately preceding the date on which any other state shall hold a similar election, whichever is earlier. So if nobody has anything earlier, it's the second Tuesday in March. If anybody has something going on, they they basically predate that by a week. And that's the date of the New Hampshire primary. And that's what the Secretary of State is required to do. And that's done every year when a president of the United States is to be elected or the year previous. So there, there, there you have it. Now, so that which means they could actually go into December of the year before an election year. Um, they can go as early as they need to to always be the first. This is like one of those laws that basically is adaptive and 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 uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's preemptive of anybody else. But this is something I did not know, and maybe maybe it's interesting to you all too. There's a little piece about uh, Biden in here that I was unaware of. It says, last year, the Democratic Party, I threw it on the screen for you. The, the Democratic Party, supported by President Biden, announced that they would be changing their primary calendar to prioritize South Carolina and move up battleground states such as Michigan and Georgia. But the New Hampshire's state government, which is controlled by Republicans, refused to comply with the DNC's new rules and schedule the primary for January the 23rd, leaving it the first in the nation. Okay, I want you to just consider the audacity of this particular paragraph, which CBS is not addressing. The Democratic Party, in order to favor some wins in states that they consider to be really important for Biden, required that New Hampshire, which has had a law on its books since 1975, change their, change their rules. And New Hampshire said, uh, no, uh, we've been doing this for 50 years, so we don't care what you're doing. And that is actually something that they're they're acting like this is somehow the the uh, Republicans in New Hampshire are are being very offensive to the Biden administration. You kind of catch that. I mean, the tone is very dry on it, but <laughs> the Biden administration was trying to push the calendar because it would be favorable, and they were like, "No, we're doing the same thing we've always done." And then 
CBS is sort of like a little bit incredulous. As a result, Mr. Biden will not be appearing on the ballot, although his campaign has launched an aggressive write-in campaign. Any Democrat who participates in the unofficial primary on Tuesday will not win any delegates. So the victory will be symbolic. So I guess New Hampshire doesn't have a say. They don't have a say in the DNC. Isn't this the, 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 the party that loves democracy? Aren't they the ones that are always talking about democracy and they want to disenfranchise people in an entire state? What on what on earth are we dealing with here? Just the most unreasonable and and totally unprofessional operators. And yet, uh, of course, the news media is happy to cover them up. They also talk about what the polls are saying. The polls are basically saying that Trump is leading at 44 percent. Potentially, Nikki Haley is in, in the 29 percent range. So if that's the case, that's a handy victory for Trump. Obviously, he wants to break 50. I think that would be uh, pretty demoralizing for anybody else in it. And then you know, they're the only two major candidates, so he wants to be able to just kind of blow her out of the water. Uh, he's got people that are out there that are um, being his surrogates. They are working on his behalf. Uh, he's been able to pick up the endorsement of Ron DeSantis and Vivek pretty early on, so just after the last uh, the last caucus situation. So that's good, I guess, for if you're a Trump person, that, that works for you. I've got a, a little bit here. He got an endorsement from my friends over at Catholic Vote, so let me just throw this on the screen real quickly. Uh, you guys know who Catholic Vote is. You know that they sponsor our program. They are one of the underwriters of this particular uh, news information that you're getting and the commentary. If you guys want to follow them, you can go to catholicvote.org. They have an outstanding piece in the loop. They really do. It's called The Majority of Zen Gen Z Thinks, quote, Religion is Part of the Problem, end quote. I highly recommend you get today's loop. Just put in your email address. Go to catholicvote.org. It's right on the main page right there. Very easy for you to get to. And then uh, this happened. So this is kind of fun. Let's play video number five real quick. One second here. Uh, you guys will like this. This is... Uh, Donald Trump getting the endorsement from my friends over at Catholic Vote. There it is. Today, we're also very grateful to be endorsed by one of the nation's largest Catholic advocacy groups, Catholic Vote. It's called Catholic Vote. And I just want to thank them. They are incredible. Now, I don't know what it is with Catholics, but the FBI is going after Catholics. What is going? Who would? Why would any Catholic vote for a Democrat? You two? Anybody? Any Catholic being harassed? Now, why would a Catholic think of it, what they're doing? I hear stories that are just horrible. Why would a Catholic be voting for Biden or a Democrat? Doesn't make sense. It's horrible. What they're doing is horrible. <laughs> what they're doing is horrible. And he's correct. He's spot on there. I actually retweeted this. Uh, I love it. I don't understand how you can be Catholic. I don't understand how you could be a Christian at large. And you certainly, you know, if you're Christian, it's really difficult for you not to to get behind the uh, the policies that at least the generally conservative party Republicans have many of their flaws, but I don't get it. I'll, I'll, I'll go to church sometimes. I go to mass and I'll see these people and it'll say like Catholic Democrat on their bumper sticker. It's like, that must hurt when you wake up. Like those ideas running into their heads so aggressively. You're, you're banging two things back and forth and you just think like, uh, I don't know. Um, the upside, like I said, there, there's some some additional sort of tailwinds behind Trump. He had two guys jump out of the race. Uh, Christie dropped out as well. So that's, the, you know, whatever that means. Unless you get the tidal wave from him hitting the water, I don't know that it matters. But he did have a hype man with him. I love a hype man. I love a guy that uh, gets out. And say what you want about Vivek. I know some of you guys don't like him or you're concerned about, you know, what his background is, whatever. I, I like him personally. I've always liked him. I liked him in person. He's very smart. You know, he thinks highly of himself. You can tell about that. But he's really good at this. He's very good at whipping up a crowd, at speaking, and he's got good tempo and, you know, all of you guys that want to compare that to Barack Obama, so be it. I don't, you know, it is what it is. Just because he's brown and he's skinny and he said some of the same words, like the idea that, like, politicians across the board have said a lot of this stuff. But here he is. He's hyping Trump. 
And uh, it's not bad. This is the exact same press conference. This is how Trump actually came on and was uh, introduced. So let's let's send this here. Let's see what he says. And right now we need a commander in chief who will lead us to victory in this war. That is this man standing right here. If you want to seal the border, vote Trump. If you want to restore law and order in this country, vote Trump. If you want to defeat the deep state, vote Trump. If you want to fight inflation, vote Trump. If you want to revive national pride in this country, vote Trump. If you want to revive our national identity in this country, vote Trump. If you want to make America great again, vote Trump. That's how we're going to win this in a landslide in November. Like Reagan delivered in 1980, that's what we're going to deliver and Donald Trump is going to deliver this November. Reunite this country. You guys do your part. Come out on Tuesday night, end this primary right here, off to defeat Joe Biden in November, and our best days as a nation are still yet ahead of us. Vote Trump, and that's how we do this. God bless you and your families and our United States. Vote Trump. And right now- So there it is. Yeah, he's got a he's got a good cadence. He's got a good delivery. I think his message was something that people were getting behind. You could even hear the crowd getting whipped up with him. He's solid. I saw people in the in the chat that were saying uh, him for press secretary. No. I saw another person say Alex Jones. Yeah. I'm I'm pro Alex Jones. If Alex Jones wants to go do it, I don't think he wants to go live in DC. I think Alex Jones' head would explode from all the uh, the gay goldfish frogs and uh and the lizard people, but uh you know what? If Alex Jones would be the the press secretary, nothing would make heads explode more than the election of a Donald Trump and then a press secretary like Alex Jones. It would just if we could make that happen. Also, uh, Alex Jones is ambassador to the UN. Like if you think the previous pick with Nikki Haley, imagine Alex Jones going and yelling at the globalists in their their cathedral. I don't know. I just I'm just amused by the idea of it. Uh, really weird stuff going on as far as the the pushing by the the leftist media for a Nikki Haley. It's very strange to me. I don't understand why they're doing it. Um, but what I also saw, and actually I, I think let me see where I've got this put. I've got to put it under this. This is the last topic I threw up, but I want you guys to see this. This is CNN's homepage. I don't know why I find this very interesting all the time, but here it is. CNN's homepage is going to show you nothing about the border decision that happened in Texas. It's unclear to me why that is. I actually had to go and look, and it was three articles deep. It was three articles deep in their search engine on their own page, even though that I think this is one of the most interesting things that's been happening. This is a head-to-head fight. It's the reason why I called today's show the way I did. It's a head-to-head fight with what's happening in, uh, in Texas down on the border which is to say that the federal government has shirked its responsibility. Here's NBC's coverage of it. Uh, and Lester Holt, very, very dignified Lester Holt. They had some beautiful uh, imagery, which we'll show you some videos. I got a bunch of that from, from Fox and from CNN, and from others. And and here he is. They're, they're talking about how they're going to remove the uh, all of – all the razor wire, which is, I don't know why razor wire became a thing, but every single headline or every single piece of it was talking about razor wire. They also put up these big – uh, containers, right? They put up these shipping containers, which were like making an actual wall and throwing razor wire on top of it. But it's the razor wire that gets people because they can show shoes hanging in it and clothing. It's hung up on it. And, you know, razor wire sucks. Nobody wants to touch that. It's pretty awful. It says the court weighed in on a dispute between the Biden administration, the Supreme Court of the United States, that is, and Republican Governor Greg Abbott. It's not personally Greg Abbott, but yeah, he's representing Texas. Uh, and so they've they installed this wire to try to stop illegal border crossings. They were getting 4000 plus a day in this one little section, which we talked about the other day in this place called Shelby Park over in Eagle Pass, Texas, which is almost directly to the west of where I live right now in the Central Texas area. There's a closely divided Supreme Court, and this is where the real problem comes in. 
It was a 5-4 decision. Uh, closely divided Supreme Court decision on Monday allowed Border Patrol agents to cut through or move the razor wire installed by the state of Texas in the U.S.-Mexico border as part of the state's effort to prevent illegal border crossings. Right there in that paragraph, we are now authorizing Border Patrol to destroy the barriers that are helping them do the job of the Border Patrol, which is keep people from breaking the laws on the U.S. border. I just want all that to sink in for a second. Like, have we totally lost our minds in this country? And if you're on a political left and you're getting behind this, which there are plenty of people that seem to think this is fine right up until it gets into their backyard, you know, go down to the border ever, anywhere. I used to live by the border when I was in Las Cruces. I was 40 miles away. I used to drive by the border. I could see Mexico from my little CrossFit uh, space in the backyard, CrossFit, whatever, functional fitness, where you'd go PT in the backyard. You could see into Mexico. You could see all the way down to Ciudad Juarez. Okay, this is just a brief order, and it just said that the four conservative justices, uh, they were going to, they were going to be the dissent. This is Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh. And that means that Amy Coney Barrett and that uh, and and Roberts went along with the Dems, and they made this five four decision, saying that the Biden administration is making a a reasonable argument, which is that the the wire prevents border patrol agents from reaching the migrants who have already crossed over the border into the United States. It's a nuanced argument. The argument is, is that they're already in the United States and therefore Border Patrol has a obligation to process them. And Texas is stopping them from doing their jobs. Instead of saying, uh, we're not doing our damn jobs. We are not repelling people who are trying to invade this country. And I use the word invasion very specifically because of the number of military age males. It's pretty damn clear. So they tried to stop it. They're doing this 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 operation in uh, in Eagle Pass and, and all the Rio Grande Valley trying to curb the thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that are running in every day. Like we we got almost four million people into this country. That's more than the state of Oklahoma, y'all. More than the entire population of Oklahoma, certainly more than uh, Wyoming, certainly more than um, than Montana. We're talking about more than an entire state of people have just walked into this country with no vetting, with no jobs, often with no language skills, with no plan other than the federal government is going to take them on. Imagine if we just said, I don't know, uh, yeah, the entire state of fill in the blank, grab your, take your pick, but Oklahoma's an easy one, or Arkansas. We are now going to just take over and pay the bills of everybody in Arkansas. We're going to just give them free everything. And by the way, if you can get to Arkansas, it's free for you too. That's what we're doing here in this country. Absolutely insane. The White House spokesperson, of course, says things, Texas political stunt, you know, like a political stunt, like actually enforcing your national boundaries uh, by placing razor wire near the border. Simply make it harder and more dangerous for frontline personnel to do their job. Ultimately, we need adequate resources and policy changes to address our broken immigration system. They love talking about the broken immigration system. What they hate doing is actually doing any damn thing about it. And they have no interest. If you're a, if you know anybody in Border Patrol, they're some of the most patriotic people in this country. Many of them are first gen generation Americans themselves. Okay. Uh, Hispanic men, and, and it is men overwhelmingly that I've dealt with, Hispanic men sign up for the Border Patrol because they love this country. It's a job they can do with the skills that they have. They put their asses on the line. My friends who were across the street from me when I lived in New Mexico, Border Patrol agent, really, really good dude, got jacked up on a chase running down after some illegals. His brother, who was also a stud, who was on the Bortac team, um, the same group that you saw that ended Uvalde, like just an awesome human being and, and super motivated and had like multiple side hustles and businesses. The dude was like, you know, he was a, he had a painting business and he had a construction business and he was doing this and he had a beautiful house that we bought from him. So I'm kind of uh, biased, but you know, this guy, he got his shoulder 
ripped out on duty and they weren't even going to back him up. And you know what he got it ripped out for? He pulled somebody out of a burning car, like straight, pure corn fed American hero stuff. The fact that he has a Hispanic last name is irrelevant. And so these people are good that I, I don't I have no beef with the Border Patrol on the front end. They're every bit as good and, and, and better than any other federal law enforcement that I dealt with when it comes to just being American loving people. And that includes the FBI. I, I think the Border Patrol, they are super patriotic, specifically because of what they do. And then you put them in this untenable situation where they're not allowed to do their job, where they're put in this, this horrific press where they said, you signed up to do this thing. It's the same thing the federal air marshals are dealing with. You signed up to keep bad guys off planes. Oh, why don't you go hand out sandwiches at the border? Oh, you signed up to repel illegals and cartels and human traffickers? Yeah, why don't you just welcome them in? It's demoralizing at it's such a high level, and it's really, really gross. It, 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 it makes me sick to see what they've done to these people. And the other thing is this. You're not going to get people signing up for that job because it sucks. It's a crap job right now. Okay? So what do you do? Where do these people go? There needs to be a sea change, but the sea change probably has to happen with the state of Texas. I don't think the Border Patrol guys want to go up against the National Guard in Texas. I think we're setting up for a chicken, and if we could just have the stand down, we'd actually win. So I've got a handful of videos here. We're going to play a couple of them. Uh, the first one is going to be Brett Baer talking about the situation. We're going to do Fox. We're going to do CNN. Uh, we're going to do, let's see, I may have one others of, of people just kind of giving their take on what happened. And just listen to the language. It's very important the way that it's covered. So here's here's Fox covering down on it. It's not wrong. Texas officials are installing additional razor wire and fencing along the southern border in an area of federal land the state has now taken over. And they're making arrests there. Correspondent Matt Finn is in Eagle Pass, Texas again tonight. Fox cameras today captured Texas state troopers arresting migrants who illegally crossed the razor wire barrier in Shelby Park, a major change in policy. Texas DPS tells Fox News that the migrants it arrests will be charged with criminal trespassing and wait in jail until sentencing. However, DPS points out after that, Texas will turn the migrants over to ICE, which will decide whether to deport. Could you see how some people would say that's a waste of your resources to arrest them, to book them to process and then turn them back over to the Biden administration who releases them? Yeah, that's, that's kind of a, like a double standard there. You know, we're, we're trying to do one thing and then they do a different thing. Over the past week, Fox crews have not seen any large migrant groups attempting to cross Texas's barbed wire. A few weeks ago, Texas DPS says up to 4,000 migrants a day freely crossed in and around the park. That number has dipped down to 700 yesterday. Smaller groups of about five people approached, but Texas National Guard ordered them back to Mexico. This man and woman holding babies tried to get through the wire, a reminder of the humanitarian crisis. All right, so there's a humanitarian crisis, and this is what the left is going to play on. This is what they continue to play on. Fox actually obviously is a little bit soft and squishy. We don't we don't disagree on that. We already know that's happening. And when they do their kind of squishy bit, it opens up that discussion. Well, it's like, well, we got this video next. This is coming from CNN. And, uh, you know, I entitled this People Will Die because, of course, that's what they're going to go for. Heartstrings only, nothing about substance, and nothing about the uh, sovereignty of this country. You did hear 4,000-something a day. They were able to cut it down to 700, and that's considered a victory. What a what a shitty victory <laughs> on our end, guys. That is such weak stuff, and it's really troubling. But here you go. Here's uh, here's the CNN take on the same thing. This is their legal analyst. I cut out like three minutes, by the way. The question to this woman was three minutes long of just force-feeding her whatever she was going to say. She's not particularly talented. Here we go. 
Uh, Governor uh, Abbott has been blocking the Biden administration border patrol at the border in Texas. You know, this is a long simmering immigration battle and it arose from a lower court judges blocking the administration from taking down the razor wire. And today, by a five to four vote along largely ideological lines, the Supreme Court has allowed the Biden administration to continue having access to the border and to take down that razor wire. And let me tell you about the split, uh, Boris and Brianna. Justices uh, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh all dissented from this order. Now, this all started in December, and since early January, the Biden administration had been urging the Supreme Court to intervene and to block the order that kept its border control agents from getting <laughs> to uh, a stretch of the border along the Rio Grande and to to continue taking down this razor wire. And we know how um, you know contentious this has been, but it's also been the kind of situation that has caused a lot of you know injury and, and deaths. In the middle of this uh, controversy, a woman and two children drowned, and the Biden administration said it needed access to this area and to the river to, for safety reasons and to, frankly, to carry out the Border Patrol's mission. Yeah. You heard that? Like two people died doing something illegal and dangerous and trying to come into this country where they didn't belong and getting stuck in a river. It reminded me of this little piece, which we played the other day. I'm not going to give the whole thing, but uh, I made a short version for you guys. Here you go. People need kidneys. It's sad, but decreed. Yet the senator's hoarding one more than she needs. I offer this bill and I hope you'll vote aye. Unless, of course, you just want people to die. Traffic deaths have many crying with fear. Over 30,000 people are dying each year. This modest change I propose must be applied. Unless, of course, you just want people to die. Alcohol deaths are exceeding comparisons. Black people, white people, Native Americans. We need to ban alcohol. It can't be denied. Unless, of course, you just want people to die. Crossing the street is incredibly tough. People look left and right, but rarely look up. My bill would mandate that you're... <laughs> That's Remy. If you guys don't know Reason TV, you guys should check them out. They're over on YouTube, and you can do that. Um, we don't like sending people to YouTube, per se, but he's outstanding and talented. And every time I hear this nonsense, this compassionate, really BS claim, I just hear in the back of my head, people will die. And he's he's lampooning something that's so true, and it's so obvious. Now, look, there, there's a nuanced position here, so let's kind of take it where it is. Here's the nuance to me. There is a federal responsibility. This is the Border Patrol's job. This is the federal government's duty to enforce border policy. But what we're saying with this ruling is that if the border, like what they should have done is maybe enjoined or, uh, or forced, you know, that the Biden administration, they are allowed to move the razor wire, but they have to repel people from coming into the country. Maybe that was the, the compromise. That didn't get done. It was a straight surrender. And so we got a 5-4 weak sauce movement from people that are supposed to be holding the line. And they're doing that real interpretation, which is like, well, that is the federal government's job. The federal government is responsible for this. That's true, but they're not doing it. So what recourse does the state have other than just ignoring what the federal government does? We're, we're seeing our federal judiciary debased because they're giving in. They're giving into this stuff in a big, big way. And we can't have it. We can't have it and still have a country. All right. And I think everybody has that instinct except people on the political left. There's there's a lot of things going on. Look, the Supreme Court does some wins, some losses. Um, I was sitting in mass when I was on this this retreat with Catholic Vote, and uh, I wanted to share this guy with you guys because it actually it helped me. Maybe it'll help you too. If you went back 
20 years ago. Nobody even thought that getting rid of Roe v. Wade was a real possibility. It took over 50 years to get rid of Roe v. Wade. And that's one little bright spot. Even if it just went back to states' rights, like I'm, I'm an absolute abolitionist for abortion at this point, like four children, an infinite home. I'm pretty strong in that. My wife is even more aggressive about it. But if we if we just say that it took that long, and if we do believe, if you whether you're a person of Christian faith or you believe in a higher power, whatever that is, you know, God's time is not man's time, and God's plan is not man's plan. Uh, people have told me this over and over again, that, and I've heard this on podcasts, and it, it just rings true to me that that God draws straight with with crooked lines. The crooked lines are straight if you're not human. And they make perfect sense. It's the other thing about being able to see God's plan in the rearview mirror, which Garrett O'Boyle and I talk about a lot. You can see it after the fact. You can't see it when it's happening. And so maybe there is that light, that there is a reason for all of this that we'll never understand in the, in the time. But maybe in the, in the, when we look back, we'll understand how. The other thing is, is that the incremental progress is actually very positive. So I don't like being negative all the time simply for the sake of negativity. I don't like what I call amygdala porn, which is to say that there's fear and, and, and all this stuff. Like definitely prepare. You know, there's a reason why preparedness country uh, companies have sought out our podcast. They've come to us and said, hey, we'd like to advertise with you because I do see the value of that. Like I own guns. I own ammunition. I own body armor. I own helmets. I own night vision and thermal. Like I own all the things, man. Like if any of you guys are thinking about getting ready, somebody was like, do you have comms? And I'm like, yeah, of course I have comms. Like, what are you talking about? But if you're not doing that, then you can add a lot more fear to your life because you have that anxiety plus the anxiety of what we're seeing. And what we're seeing is not good. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think it's abject fear-based you know, give up black pill. Somebody called me a black pill pharmacist the other day on True Social. It's like, give me a break, dude. I'm the most hopeful person in the world. You know why I'm hopeful? I put my feet on the floor every single day, just like you do. And I have children in this world that I want to see live in a better America. Joe Dirt just asked me if I have an MRAP. I don't have an MRAP, but I do have an old school 2005, 2500 HD with some steel American bumpers. So there is that. Look, I got a bunch more stuff. I want to talk about uh, actually... The, the Supreme Court specifically, because if you saw in that little piece that uh, CBS was giving with or CNN was with the people will die bit, they also were teasing out this Kamala Harris interview. Kamala Harris might be the worst and least talented national level politician that I've ever seen in my life. I can remember all the way back to when they were making fun of Dan Quayle. So that's not that far back, but it's farther back than some. She is unbelievably bad. She repeats the words. Listen to the number of times she says the word clear. Um, she always leans on Joe Biden. I don't even want to set this up any further, but basically she wants to campaign on abortion. She wants to give President Trump the credit for the Dobbs decision. I'm for it. I'll take that. I tweeted out the other day because that's a Democrat talking point right now that uh, President Trump equals an abortion ban across the country. Good. Let's do that. But here she is just in inarticulately making the best sort of decisions that she can verbally. And they're they're awful. She's terrible. So enjoy this. Sorry, I'll apologize up front. Grab your uh, your barf bags. Well, let's first be clear that the previous president expressed his intentions quite clearly. And he and fast forward to just recently mm -hmm. says he's proud of what he did. And let's be clear. That's the third so clear. By inference, he is proud that women have been deprived of fundamental freedoms to make decisions about their own body. By inference, proud that doctors are being penalized and criminalized for providing health care. Proud that women are silently suffering because they don't have access to the health care they need. So let's understand that 
the stakes are so very high. And listen, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden has been very clear. When Congress puts the protections of Roe back into the law, he will sign it. Similarly, President Joe Biden has been very clear. If these extremists get achieve their other goal, which is to have a national ban, which means state by state by state, Joe Biden will veto that. Okay. Just the end part is the dumbest part. She said if if Republicans are able to get a state by state by state ban, that would mean going to each state legislature. And I think upwards of 22 of them have already done this. They've done some version of restrictions on abortion. State by state by state ban. Joe Biden's going to veto it because she doesn't know. Well, I'm not sure she knows what she's saying. She did say the word clear at least five times in that little clip. She said the word proud about five or six times as well. She just falls back on these repetitive things. She might be worse than Joe when it comes to not knowing what's going on. Absolutely a vacuous mind, an empty, hollow space. I used to have this uh, this guy when I was in high school. He was a high school, what was he? He was a history teacher. And he would always say, do you know what this is? If you can't see me, I'm waving my hand at my ear like a fan. That's an airhead refueling. She needs to be refueled, man. Someone needs to fill up the Kamala because her head is empty and it is vacuous. And you can actually hear the hollow echo that is going on between those two ears. It's tragic and stupid. But there she is. Like I said, if they want to run on abortion, that's what they would like to be able to do because they actually think that young people love the idea of killing babies. And I don't think that's there. Even if 59% of millennials or Gen Z, whatever it is, just said, go to, go to the Catholic vote uh, page and check out the, the loop. 59%, I think they said, of Gen Z thinks that religion is the problem. That doesn't mean that they think abortion on demand all the time for all ages like is okay. They have a fundamental understanding of science that we didn't have even when I was growing up. Like, if you think about it, when I was born, I was born in 1981. If you go back to 1981, the the listening to fetal heart tones versus like what we have now, the, the 3D, um, you know, where you can see the face of the baby, the sonograms that are like, it's unbelievable the amount of technology we have and the, the things that we know about embryology and developmental like, as fetuses develop. Crazy, crazy. Science equals magic at this point. And like, even when my buddy was going through med school around 2000, it was very clear. He was like, yeah, embryology is basically magic. Like we know what happens sort of, but we don't really know why. And that has been radically changed. So the fact that there is that much more information available is why those court cases should be tossed. Like they're garbage. In any case, it is what it is. Um, let's, you know, the, the, the push is always about compassion. I think that's the, that's the argument. It's the argument on the border. It's the argument about women who need to kill their babies so they can have a career and they can have their lives and kids are not going to interrupt it. Pretty gross. Pretty weird. Um, this guy, I absolutely love what he's about. Let's see if here. I think I got a picture of his tweet. We're going to make sure we have this up here. This is the Naperville Councilman Josh. What's his name? McBroom. He wants a list of all the residents who want to take on these people that are illegally entering the country into their very nice affluent community. They've got big homes in Naperville, Illinois, outside of Chicago. And this was a pro-Biden area by 20 plus percent is what the uh, this, this tweet says. This is actually quoting him. I got his video. We're going to let the man speak for himself. I wouldn't want to hold somebody accountable for words they didn't say, but we've got it. I think you guys will appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, do you want an indentured servant living in your house? Because you could sign up on the list maybe. Do you think Josh's name is at the top of this list? Let's hear what he has to say. I do know that there's a lot of people that do care, and I, I think we live in a compassionate community. Um, so, you know, before we go down the road of 
you know, doing what, you know, following suit on some of these other cities are taking action on. Um, you know, my, my idea would be let's, let's find out. Let's find out who's willing to help, you know. So, you know, we do hear from constituents on both sides of this. What are we going to do to preemptively stop this? And then we hear from people that tell us we should do more. So, you know, we do have a, a, a very affluent community, a lot of big homes. And um, what I'd like to do is direct staff to create a sign-up sheet. So, you know, for individuals that would be willing to house migrant families. Um, and if there's people that would do that, God bless them. Um, so if we could raise, raise awareness in that way, um, I think we need to find out. I think we need to find out who would be willing to house migrant families. And uh, so that, that would be my new business. I'm, I'd be looking for you know, support from, from the dais. Any questions, discussion, happy to have that. <laughs> this is why I love my chat. Uh, you guys have corrected the pronunciation. Naperville. Fine. You got it. Naperville. It looks like Naperville. But you know what? I live outside of Austin. If you go out here and you say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going down to uh, Burnett. I would say, oh, it's Burnett. You're not from here. I get it. Yeah, I don't want to be from Chicago. You guys that are. Sorry. Here's a little uh, little view. This is the Fox coverage. A.G. Paxton says it's not over. The fight's not over on the Supreme Court ruling. Apparently, what they might do is that maybe the, the Texas uh, DPS can just load all these buses up. What if they just loaded the buses up and sent them all to Naperville? Did I do it right this time? Naperville? Send them all up there. I think Josh McBroom, he's ready. He's ready to have it. Bring it on. And uh, he, do you notice he said, I think we should find out. Was that, maybe that was just me. Maybe it's just uh, ironic to me because I, I think in the terms of, of memes and other stupidity. But when he said, I'd like to get this thing, we should find out who's willing to have these folks in. Like, yeah, you would find out, but kind of in like the F around find out kind of way, I think. You bring a bunch of crazies in that you have no idea about, military age males. I don't think they're there because they think they're going to be working really hard and they expect to get something. They've made this very treacherous journey. Some of them have done crimes all the way up, and they've been involved in a bunch of bad things, mm -hmm. raping children and things like that, which is hard to say with just like a, a flippant tone. But like, this is what we're talking about on that route. And then you want to put them in your house? Is your name at the top of the list? Your name should be printed. It shouldn't even be like your handwritten. It should be printed by your staff with your name as the first name and how many you're taking on. And I want to see pictures. Pixar didn't happen. Josh McGroom, McBroom of Naperville. Not Naperville. Did we get it right? All right, folks. Um, gross and weird. I didn't want to leave you today without our a little bit of a palate cleanse. Like I said, we, I do think there's an awful lot of hope in this country. And I think that uh, we'd be foolish if we didn't see that there was hope. We'd be, we'd be wrong. We would actually be doing ourselves a disservice. And additionally, one of the things is I got this this guy. My wife said she found him, so maybe she found this. But these dad jokes are really fun for me. I, I think that a little bit of levity adds a lot to our ability to digest some of the most serious stuff. So a little bit of dad joke time. This is from Logan Liesel. He's got a uh, he's got a YouTube channel, probably makes a living doing this. So God bless him, too, if he's able to do it. Let's get this rolled in, and uh, then we'll do a five-star review, and we'll say thanks so much for you guys joining us. We've... We've gone long for a little while. I'm trying to tighten my, my ship up here. I know some of you guys like it long, but let's do this. Here we go. I don't trust Arizona on for something. What do you call a short mother? Minimum. I was on a diabetes awareness site. It asked me if I accept cookies. Is that a trick question?
Nah. <laughs> Take a sip. <laughs> what word starts with E and ends with E, but only has one letter in it? What? Envelope. I hate it when people tell me age is just the number. It's clearly a word. It was 10 years ago today. My best friend Logan came out of the room. Tears streaming down his face. He said, it's a boy. We never went back to Thailand. Seven days without a pun makes one week. <laughs> the Thailand one really got me. It's a little spicier than some of the other pretty uh, pretty mediocre ones. And also, it starts with E, ends with E, and only has one letter, the envelope. I'm into that one. That's a good, clean joke that you can take to your kids. You teach them that as they're learning how to spell. Send them to kindergarten with it. Why not? All right, folks, we appreciate all of you guys. When you guys leave the five-star reviews on Apple, they make a difference. We're almost at 900. We didn't hit the 1,000 for the year, but darn it, uh, 900 and doing this for only a year is not nothing. I think we have more than Brett Baer has on this podcast. I'm not bragging, just saying. You guys are the best, and that's why we read them on the show. So here you go. Five-star review today from ABN0455. I bet you ABN0455 has no idea why it says that either. Uh, it says, awesome, dot, 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 five stars. Thanks, Kyle. The show is awesome. I like it when people just repeat that. That's good. Uh, I love listening to the podcast while doing my errands or working Godspeed. And please keep up the great work I intend to. ABN0455. <laughs> you know what's fun is when I send these out here and I, I read your stuff, you guys uh, tend to DM me and go, I don't know where that number came from. That's why I know that you don't know why that came up. And I don't know why it came up. And I don't care. I don't care. It's all good. We do appreciate the five-star reviews. We appreciate all of you. We stream live at 0, 930 Eastern Time, which is 830 here in Central Texas, America from Liberty Hill, Texas. You guys can join us at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Make sure you have hit the like button. Here's the, look, there it is. Beep, hit the like button. Make sure that you have subscribed to the channel. You guys can hit the follow. And then if you want to subscribe, it's five bucks a month. Uh, ads on. That just goes into our pocket. They don't take a penny of it, which is pretty cool. 100% of the subscriber base revenue, the $5 a month piece from Rumble goes directly to the people that are making the show. So if you guys are supporting any of the channels, you can know 100% of that goes. The Rumble rants and everything else, they take a little cut. That's just the way it works. Um, but the $5 a month, 100%. We appreciate that. And uh, we don't need you to do it. But if you want to do it, we'll take it. And we do continue to grow because of your excellent things. Almost 1800 again in the live chat. You guys are killing it. Um, we're no Dan Bongino. But uh, you know, he's got about a decade in front of me. So we'll keep working on it. Love you guys. We'll see you again. Be real safe. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin show streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.